We are rolling now. Uh, that's not true. Counting us down. No. Three, two. I said no. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. Hi, guys. If this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, comics, other media and experiences. Uh, and we, we <laughs> what? are you all right? Oh, no, I had a stroke. <laughs> I just I couldn't. Um, but we, we take those things that have helped build us up and we introduce them to each other. And we hope that it builds you up as well. Uh, we are the retrospective that is introspective. Um, today we're doing something a little different in that we are not being as retrospective in that I'm kind of introducing us to something I'm super into now. And uh, that's the deal. Yes, Lex Michael? No, it's flagrant disregard for the rules. Oh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He's going yeah. rogue. We're the introspective that's now trospective. That that fixed it, right? You're like you're like Kurt Russell, uh, in Dark Blue, which I haven't seen, but based <laughs> on the poster, uh-huh. I'm guessing is about an honorable, if slightly morally dubious, uh, police uh, figure who is forced to go super rogue and take the law into his own hands in order to potentially save a loved one who is yeah. kidnapped or avenge a loved one who was murdered. Or something uh-huh. of the sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what happened with me is I got an email that was like, if you look back past 1999, I'm going to murder your family. And I was like, okay, I guess I got to go current. I got to go as current as possible. Who sent, you uh, this just is, to, who sent you the email? If I knew, I would tell the police, but I don't. I just got to abide. What is the what is the email address it the came The email from? address is killtarisfamily at <laughs> gmail.com. <laughs> uh, so you could you should write to Gmail. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> They're like, uh, doesn't doesn't it's violate doesn't, terms doesn't of violate terms of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, I mean, we have six Kiltaris families already. Um, so I mean, if we if we take this one out, we got to take them all out. Yeah, we, we have just to take have like Kiltaris family one and Kiltaris family <laughs> with underscores in between each word. Right. It's a, it's a slippery slope. It's a snowball effect, you know. Um, but no, I am I'm I'm uh, I recently got into. The Manhattan Projects, uh, a graphic novel that started in 2012. The writer is Jonathan Hickman, known for his work on a lot of like uh, image comics, like he did um, Red Wings, uh, and he also does a lot of Marvel stuff. So he did Fantastic Four, he did some Avengers run. I think he also did some Secret Warriors as well, like Shield stuff. Um, if, and then, uh, yeah, if, if maybe if you're not a comics person, you're not, uh, familiar with the name Jonathan Hickman, but you're definitely, if you, if you live on earth, you are now at least passingly familiar with some of his work. Uh, he created, uh, for the, uh, Marvel infinity storyline a handful of years ago, the black order characters like, uh, Corvus Glaive, Ebony Ma, Proxima Midnight, who showed up as the children of Thanos in Avengers infinity war, mm-hmm. which grossed $2 billion. So you probably saw it. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of it. Um, but yeah, uh, and so he, uh, he really likes doing what one would call like alternative history. Um, and so he wrote this series called the Manhattan projects, which essentially the premise is what if the Manhattan project, which was a collection of physicists, uh, by the, the government to create the first atomic bomb. What if that was just a front for even more, uh, morally questionable experiments. And so, like, this graphic novel dives into it, and I had Lex Michael read the first volume, which is a collection of the first five issues. Um, and so, if you are... Also, uh, just a quick little cute little comicsolo- comicsology shout-out. Um, if you want to read it yourself, um, check it out. It's on Comixology. Um, and you can also, if you want to, you can get a physical... Uh, a physical version. Uh, there's going to be a link in description. You can click that, grab a, a copy for yourself. It's really good. Uh, as you're about to hear us talk about, 
Um, Lex, what were your first impressions of this comic? This thing's nuts, dude. <laughs> this is great. I, I was very passingly aware of this series. Yeah. Um, but very, very passingly. All I really knew about it was that it was an alt history of the Manhattan Project. Right. Um, jumping in, I mean, immediately I was struck. We were introduced pretty early to the idea that uh, Robert Oppenheimer was at one point murdered and replaced by his evil twin brother, Joseph Oppenheimer, who uh-huh. likes to eat people. And so that's the gentleman involved in these projects. Uh, and this is pretty this is pretty early, right? This is the first issue yep. that we sort of walk down that that road a piece. Uh, that's that's like that's like such my shit. <laughs> like that really is like dark doppelgangers that eat people. Yeah. That's and it's a horrifying thought, right? Like this is a point in, in history, in world history, like in our in our world, right? Uh, what was happening scientifically in the World War II era, and then immediately afterwards, I think, was a massive, massive uh, shift in the history of the human race in a number of ways, right? I feel like at that point in time, we could have gone off in two separate directions, right? One is using all of that science, this, these uh, putting these incredibly brilliant minds together and creating something. Yeah. Right. And like that could have sent us off in a direction where like we, a, a utopia, technological utopia that we would still be building upon today for the betterment of all people. Or we could have gone the way we did go, which is we use it to create something horrific, some something uh, uh, destructive. And then around it, we sort of built this entire industry of destruction and war that has since come to more or less uh, control, not just the government, but most of the world. Right. Like, that was the moment, right? Like, and, and you could use, it wasn't any one specific moment, but if you wanted to point at one and say, well, this was probably the moment where that split in reality, if you will, yeah, happened. It's when they dropped that bomb. Right. And, and not even when they tested that, the for like, not the Trinity test even necessarily. Um, although, yeah, like, if you want, if there was like some cosmic rip in the space-time continuum that occurred, that's probably when it happened. Yeah. But I mean specifically the moment where we decided, and we depict it in in the Manhattan Projects, where we decided to drop that horrific weapon of total destruction onto human beings. Yeah, and you see, like in that in that sequence, the the military essentially goes rogue. Mm-hmm. Like Truman is screaming at them in in this story, like not to drop the bomb because he's he's aware of the horrific ramifications. Like this is not only something you can't go back on. But if you take half a step back and look at what the fuck it is you're doing, this is the most unspeakable atrocity man has ever committed towards man. Yeah. Truman is aware of this. And the general's just like, nah, fuck it, bomb him. <laughs> at that moment, now the president, the government is not in control. The military and by extension, the eventual military industrial complex is in control. Right. I didn't realize, like, I'm even more into this shit than I was aware of. <laughs> I was like, do I have thoughts about this? As I was coming here today, I was like, do I have thoughts about this? I don't know. Let's find out. I guess I do. Yeah. Just like a, like a little bit, like a, like a few thoughts. I mean, because, yeah, it uh, it ended up, and even the people who worked on the bomb originally, like, once it happened, all of them had to take a step back and be like, science can be used for bad. Like well, it was that's this- where that's where that very very famous uh, oft reappropriated quote from the real Oppenheimer came from. The I am become death destroyer of worlds, which I think he he pulled from the Bhagavad Gita. I, I believe think, so, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, but like is now became so popularized because he used it in reference to his association with the bomb. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and who can say like what? Like when you start talking about all the the split timelines from the moment that the bomb hit, like, because I was having this conversation with someone recently, because um, we were talking about history and we were talking about Japan specifically because uh, someone was talking, or there's a, a movie called Grave of the Fireflies, mm. which takes place in um, in occupied Japan post uh, post World War Two, uh, and it's it's really sad. It uh, essentially depicts two children starving to death in a cave. It's so sad. Um, but then that got us talking about how much um, the the dropping of the bomb changed so much of people's histories and perspectives that like anime itself probably wouldn't exist if not for the, the uh, dropping of the atomic bomb because so much of it is um, was people trying to process the horrific 
events and and how like the 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 effects of the radiation so like you'll see it reenacted in a lot of different anime especially like from its origins through even now you'll still kind of get some of it but like if you go to akira like very very much like um atomic bomb drop inspired also like evangelion like you name and an influential anime it is very much inspired by that um and so it's really interesting to think like the things that would and wouldn't exist if not for that moment there's it's like the ac adbc kind of thing where it's like before bomb after bomb you know what i'm saying yes yeah yes um and you brought up oppenheimer um i just want to go on a little side tangent go um the in this story um the way that they depict joseph oppenheimer uh uh, robert oppenheimer's twin brother who eventually like kills and replaces him is that he everything that he kills he consumes and he gains their knowledge yes um and i think that's a really interesting concept because it's this idea that someone who is so hungry for knowledge um essentially consumes everything that he comes in contact with. right like just destroy and assimilate right um and i i really love this concept and i wanted it actually to be the concept of the m night Shyamalan movie uh split i wanted it i wanted that movie to have a version of this where this guy has so many different personalities because everyone that he kidnaps like he absorbs he absorbs yeah okay um i wanted that for that movie and it wasn't that it was just um mcelroy doing a bunch of bits um they were pretty solid bits no they were good bits i'm just saying like conceptually i wanted it to be that thing but it wasn't um but that's what it really made me think of um just this idea of this 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 one facilitator of of multitudes of knowledge and the more he consumes the smarter he becomes but it's at the cost of someone else's existence right um which i find really fascinating and dark oh yes so dark like a lot of what's happening in this story like it's it's, there are big sequences in this uh, story at least in the first five issues that feel like you could be watching like a like a paul verhoeven action movie where like something like um you know, like RoboCop or Starship Troopers, which if you only want to engage with the surface is like, you know, like pew, 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 stuff blowing up. Oh, look at that guy's arm. It was on and now it's not on anymore. Look at it go. Yeah, uh, it's flying. It's over there. The arm is flying now. Why is the arm flying? It's got wings. <laughs> it's flying away. That yep. doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but if you scratch just a little bit beneath the surface, there's there's all of these really uh, pointed and heady and, and really sharp uh, ideas that he's trying to convey. And that's happening here too. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that you're right in that. I, I feel like there, there's so much going on from the very beginning. Like there, you, you are introduced to Oppenheimer and he's, he's in this office with, um, with Lindsey Groves and, and he's just like, ah, oh, man, welcome to the fold, blah, blah, blah. You're not a communist. Um, and you're like learning his backstory, but like at the moment you get, to the facility, you're introduced to all these different things. You're introduced to um, to this machine that makes imaginary artifacts real, and you're introduced to the idea that like Japan has these these uh, Tory gates that essentially are, are portals, and you're introduced to all these like fantastical things that are scientific uh, with air quotes. But like, uh, and and that in and of itself cool drive you in but at the same time like a lot of the character work and the world building um is so specific and it is so um like intentional that you that like if you if you read this a few like on your on your first pass you could just as easily be like yeah a lot of cool visuals but like on your second pass you could also be like well there are a lot of interesting themes here because like the first volume starts and ends with oppenheimer Yes. Um, you, you learn about his origins, you kind of see him interacting with everyone who's part of the project. And then the, pro- the, the project gets to a certain point, we get to the bomb and then we get to this point where like Oppenheimer can now essentially start, um, consuming and, 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 um, and absorbing across the whole multitude of the universe right um also too like at about the same time you've got einstein building 
through through this monolith like a doorway across time and space into other worlds other like planes of existence almost yeah and so like we were talking about a minute ago about how there is this like everything that took place in this project essentially accumulated in that bomb but like this this uh this story really feels like it is kind of showing the dangers of like science gone unchecked like if you if you it's that moment in jurassic park where he's like you're you do it you're so busy uh wondering if you could do something you didn't stop to think about if you should that, that was your, my goal jeff goldblum it was really jeff good goldblum? thank you All yeah right. thank you okay uh thanks it's, everyone uh, thank totally, you it's like was... he was in the room <laughs> it's like it's like satari went away from me um but like but nothing, that's it like but jeff <laughs> i think that like um the the double-edged sword is it like yes you could imagine that like if the bomb had not dropped and that wasn't the ultimate goal of this coalition um then yes we could be living in a in a big utopia of scientific advancements but we could also just as easily be living in a dystopia of scientific like morally questionable things right and i feel like that's a lot of what this explores yeah and then also this idea that Human nature is such that maybe we can't necessarily be trusted to wield this much near godlike power without without fucking the whole thing up, essentially. <laughs> like you see what happens? Like the people who are actually pursuing their ends, uh you you could argue nobly. Um people like the actual like uh the actual Oppenheimer, the actual Einstein, like they're dispatched pretty early on and replaced with, you could argue, like, corrupted, dark versions of themselves. Yeah. And they, and now, like, to the military in this story, who who we see multiple times, even in the first five issues, are so gung-ho to use this technology to kill the shit out of everything. This idea that human nature, we, we lean towards destruction, and we yield towards uh, uh, trying trying to hurl that destruction in all directions without any consequence whatsoever. And... Yeah, are we are we fated to always fuck it up? Like we talk about how there was a split, right? Like the reality split, and it could have gone one way or the other. But maybe it couldn't have gone the other way because maybe humans are so driven to destruction and violence that they're inherently going to corrupt anything beautiful that could actually lead us in that direction. Like that's there. That's very much there. Like it's definitely not an accident that like the real Oppenheimer and the real Einstein are taken out like real early. Yeah. Like the, the, the quote unquote dreamers of the first handful of issues. Like they're both just one of them's literally eaten. Um, <laughs> and the other one, the, and this too, what happens to Einstein and what's his doppelganger's name? Uh, Aldrich, um, Eldrick. Uh, yeah, I think it's like Alden Al- Ehrenreich. Yeah. Alden Ehrenreich. How did you know? No, I think it's like, um, cause it's Albrecht. A, it's Albrecht. Albrecht. Yeah, yeah. So he, he knocks out Einstein. Like Einstein gets the monolith door to open he knocks out Einstein and switches his places with him and he pulls him into his world, which is apparently hellish by comparison. Yeah. And he's just like, you're not going to like it here, bro. Peace. And like leaves the real Einstein in his world, takes his place. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty effed up, man. I wouldn't like it if that happened to me. Where are you at with that? Would you like that? Would you not like that? <laughs> Would I like Let to know be in the knocked comments. out and <laughs> drug into another world? Mm, I don't know. Knowing Maybe, knowing that like a a dark like a specter wearing your face would then step into your life, hmm. and so nobody would know. Like nobody would know you were gone. They right. think you were there and just acting a little funny. That's true. What if? I mean, I don't know. Is this specter gonna pay my bills and stuff though? Is this specter gonna like? It depends whether or not like that fits his specter agenda. I guess so. Like I I like to imagine that. They're going to like any even a dark version of me is just going to do what I do, just like slightly meaner. Um, So like maybe they'll just they'll still be like really responsible with money and really like um, lazy and stuff. Um, uh, You know, like they'll just sit on the couch in a meaner way. Right. Like you'll do a podcast, but it'll be a mean podcast. Right. It'll be like like the show. We'll rebrand the show. And it'll be like things you're definitely not missing out on because they suck. <laughs> and I'll be like, I don't know. I wanted to take the show in this direction, but he was just so mean about it. Yeah, I, I, other me is a bully. 
He's, I mean, if he's willing to hit me in the head, you know what actually bothered me <laughs> about that moment? Yeah, is that um, Einstein the or the other Einstein? Um, he he comes through the door, uh, and so you see the buildup to the opening of the monolith. You see that like one day, uh, Einstein was struck with a vision. He he saw this door and he started putting it together over the course of like months or years and he finally like gets it together he opens it and then like his other self is on the other side and his other self is like how did you open it i couldn't figure it out and before he can even answer he hits him in the head and it's like no wait for the answer wait for him to tell you what he did and then do it like you can't be like hey What's what's the meaning of life? Like you meet God and you're like, what's the meaning of life? And then you shoot him in the face and you're like, bye God. He's like, like, gives a shit. I killed God. <laughs> the meaning of life was killing God and I killed God. Now yeah. I'm God. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I feel like that kind of applies. Like it's possible all he gave a shit about opening the door for was just to get out of wherever he was. Right. And so now it really is. It's less about the answer to that question and more about, yeah, let's just kill God. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to toss you in there, and now I'm free. And now who gives a shit if that door ever opens again? Right. I mean, but he also, like, so when you meet Einstein, he's he's constantly staring at this monolith. You imagine because he's still concerned with how to open it up. And eventually, like, um, Richard Friedman comes along, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's whatever. Not the Fibonacci sequence. It's a, no, it was, it's a matter of pie, and he, like, figures out how to open it up. Um, also, was was Pythagoras uh, a pedophile? Is that a thing? Because I feel like I've I've weren't heard... they all pedophiles back then? <laughs> what? <laughs> weren't they? Like Socrates and Pythagoras and I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, Socrates, I think it's documented. I think Socrates was a pedophile. Oh. I think most of them were pedophiles at the time. Interesting. Okay, because this could be this could be entirely apocryphal, but you hear things, you hear things at meetings. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, just imagine Nambla meetings where they're like, guys, you know, Socrates was a pedophile. No one came, no one cared about that. He's everyone's talking about Socrates this, Socrates that. You know, he's you a credit to our people. You could totally just Google it. <laughs> I don't really know what to Google though. Like, no, I, just, I don't Google it. Just don't, just don't shatter the, the grand just illusion. Be like, just be like Siri. Were they all pedophiles back then? Because <laughs> um, I feel like that's the second reference to like specifically um, Fibonacci or Pythagoras that uh, someone was like, "I'm not a pedophile," so I don't, I don't understand that. But um, I, I think it's, it's a, I think it's a thing. Okay, interesting. You learn so many new things. I mean, you know, I really hope like the Pythagoras estate doesn't sue me for for slander. <laughs> um, I, you know, they're very litigious. Oh yes, very the much. Pythagoras so. estate. <laughs> um, more like Pythagoras. Am I right, guys? Am I right? Everyone's high fiving me in this room. You can't hear it because they're really quiet high fives. Everyone's really courteous because we're recording a podcast. But um, you know, we're, I'm getting so many high fives for that one. He um, really is moving his hands around like there are people high fiving him. <laughs> yeah, there are There's so no many else. people. So, so no many people in this room. high fiving me. All the courteous high fives. Oh, look how courteous these high fives are. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, so another person, <laughs> another person that is is featured in this graphic novel is um, Werner von Braun. Yes, who was uh, a German Nazi scientist who was eventually, after the the fall of the Third Reich, was brought into um, into American custody to work with us, got doing science. Yeah, that's what they that's what they called it. Operation Paperclip was the effort by the American government to recruit German scientists. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought you were like it's like Clippy. It'd be like, are you? It looks like you're trying to recruit German scientists. Oh, can I help you with that? (laughs) 
Um, maybe that's why they called it Operation Paperclip. They had yeah. foresight of of what is it? What was that was it Word? Was it yes, Word? It was Word. It was, it was <laughs> they had foresight of both Microsoft and the Microsoft Office Suite and yeah. the mascots thereof. Well, they were the greatest minds of this century. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's what the that's what that project was called. Okay, when they were recruiting those scientists. Yeah. After the war. This is turning into a real edutainment podcast. Sort of. I feel like the first the first half of what we've done so far felt like a warm-up. I feel like I'm just now starting to become coherent. I think <laughs> I had moments of lucidity yeah. earlier, but I think now things are slightly, slightly starting to cohere. Mm. Well, I mean, the first half of this was me being like, this is cool, and that's cool, and everything's cool. I mean, so, it's, it's true. Though. I mean, it is cool. And you did you did the heavy lifting. You're the real hero. Oh. You're the real Oppenheimer. You're the real Werner von Braun. No. <laughs> yeah, you're the real, that one guy who was like, bomb them. You're the real bad guy. <laughs> yes. Yes, he doesn't suspect that I've replaced Tari. <laughs> He'll never know. Yes, I am the real those people. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. My laughter is proof that I am real. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. Anyways, so yeah, um, I really... <laughs> I like the idea that like there's this synthetic person or like your dark doppelganger who's trying to pass as you, but they're so bad at it. <laughs> but they don't get they don't get called out because everyone is way too uncomfortable to bring it up. Like they know it's not you. They're positive. Like they know it's your doppelganger, but they're all like, this is just so fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. I just I don't want to say anything. <laughs> Every time I start to talk, he gets really close to me. <laughs> like we're like we are cheek to cheek right now. And I'm just talking about him. Like, can you imagine, <laughs> like, like when I'm talking to him, we are nose to nose. I can feel his breath on my teeth. <laughs> that's that's why it's so uncomfortable, and that's why you're the real Werner von Braun. <laughs> um, there's a there's a it's a there's a crazy sequence where they're going through the process of recruiting him. Like you you meet um, Werner von Braun. Um, that's how you pronounce it. Uh, you meet him when he's first getting his new arm and he's talking to Hitler being like, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for the cause. That's right. Um, and then he like kills all the other scientists. Um, and he's like, guys, I'm, I'm for the cause and the cause is science. I'm all about it. And I'm the only rocket scientist here. I'm in all in hashtag. I'm in all in. Yeah. Hashtag I'm in all. <laughs> um, which was a fun. It was a fun sequence. I liked it. Hey, you know Hitler. Hitler cameo. Yeah. Who, who doesn't like? Who doesn't like some sweet, sweet Hitler? Hitler real estate. <laughs> I mean, you know, but you kind of have to. Like, he's kind of got to be there, right? Like, well, yes. You, know, you can't really, can't really have no Hitler in the story. No. Can't really yeah. have. You know, like any story, like any story worth telling needs needs a little <laughs> Hitler. Yeah. Even my fantasy stories. There's always like and Tolkien was all about it too. Yeah. Sauron is just Hitler too. When you when you look beyond the when you look inside the eye, it's just a guy with a weird mustache. No, like there's a whole there's a whole uh what do they call it? The Samarillion? That yeah. was that they, they wouldn't let him publish the original version of the Samarillion, which was just Hitler stuff. Oh yeah. It was just all the Middle Earth Hitler stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like Hitler with hanging out with hobbits. Just being a dick in the Shire. Yeah. And it was Hitler like with elves just being a dick in elf land. Yeah. And then it was just Hitler being a dick, like kicking Aragorn in the shins. Mm-hmm. And he's like, stop that. And Hitler's like, nine, and just keeps kicking him in the <laughs> shins and whatnot. It was just that. That was the entire text. It was just that. Just a vignettes of, of Hitler fucking stuff up. And then he turned it in and they were like, no. <laughs> he was like, fine. <laughs> assholes yeah i guess i'll write some fantasy (laughs) you can't handle this shit because it's too real (laughs) uh jeez can you just hitler in the shire i i I think when they inevitably make more of those aren't they spending like a billion dollars amazon like on a lord of the rings series are they why not just do that just hitler in the shire just like hitler being a dick in the shire 
I don't know if it will play well. I think I think we are. I think we're past the point where like Hitler's cool to have in content. You know what I'm saying? Man, we're in a post Hitler cool Oh my god! I wanna I wanna <laughs> unearth a relic of the cool Hitler era, like in between, not the not the like third reich cool hitler because that's not cool no i'm talking like the the 80s like mid to late almost like the poochie version of hitler yeah. where he's got like a backwards baseball cap and like he's wearing flannel and he skateboards and stuff mm-hmm. cool yeah hitler. yeah, yeah. i want to yeah we're gonna unearth some cool hitler some cool hitler relics <laughs> it's probably somewhere in argentina <laughs> Yeah, like you know the the Nikes that they made, like the Hitler Nikes, and, right? And like when he when he teamed up with Sprite, but but when when he did it, they called it Sprite. Oh no! <laughs> that is, okay. That's 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 the real great atrocity. Sorry, <laughs> I j- come on. <laughs> that that was the natural ending to that line of jokes. If you were like, where do we cut this off? It's there. It's right there. That's where it is. It's right there. The plane has crashed into the mountain. <laughs> uh, I just, I What like were we it. talking about? We were talking about Werner von Braun. That's right. Werner von Braun. Um, I also really liked that Fermi, um, uh, first name, oh, Enrico Fermi. Um, I really like that he was an alien. Yeah. Um, because if you if you're unfamiliar, he is the um the creator of what is known as the Fermi paradox, where it posits that if intelligent life exists here, then it must exist in the vast expanse of the universe. Um, right. If we are if we are to buy into the idea that the universe is actually infinite, then the odds of there being no intelligent life anywhere but here are pretty small. Right. Um, so the idea that the person who came up with that idea is himself an alien is really cute. Right. It's like, I didn't have to work very hard to come up with this shit. Don't (laughs) tell anyone how easy this was. So they all (laughs) think I'm a genius. (laughs) That's him. Yep. I mean, that's That's, what you gotta do. That's my, that's my Fermi. (laughs) Um, it was a good Fermi. I, one could say it was a firm Fermi. But why would one? Why would one say because that? One's so cool. Yeah, you, you get you. One's get, the coolest. You get your ass kicked saying stuff like that. <laughs> really? By who? Someone comes up. I just and they're like fucking nerds. <laughs> just like roving gangs. <laughs> people who really hate wordplay. <laughs> I don't believe in aliens. <laughs> uh, um, this is chaos. This whole podcast is chaos. <laughs> A little bit. It's a little chaotic, man. It's times. Times are rough. <laughs> that's that's like <all> yeah. <laughs> For real. That's that's what's up. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> uh, times are rough. Um, but you know who time is rough for mostly. The alien species. Okay, yeah, we got to talk about. There's some genocide within the first five issues. Yeah, that's that's. That's that's what's up. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. I mean, they they, they did a, a a good, okay job of like making it that the uh, the genocided aliens were bad. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bad, like ostensibly bad, or ostensibly a threat. Right. Um. I mean, yes. So, like, we we meet these aliens of whose names I forget. Um. But it doesn't matter because they're all dead. I think they're the Sill. Um, yes, that sounds correct. And how? What a what a awful awful insult to their memory. <laughs> I mean, they were monsters. They like uh, he, that's just racist. No, they were that's super. Racist. No, they were literal monsters. Ah. Um, they we meet them and they're like, oh man, you were expecting these other aliens. Well, we killed them and we ate their children and we are feasting on their bones. And so like America's like, yo, 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 we're going to, we're going to go to these people's planet and we're going to just murder them with radiation. I do like though, that when the, when I guess you call him like an ambassador is talking to the American military, like he's talking and all he's saying all of this awful stuff, but they don't understand because that's the part that's not translating. Yeah. But the whole meeting, it's like very outwardly, it, lo- it sounds like he's being very diplomatic, 
but there's all of this very threatening, like we are, we're just going to like pull your spine out of your dick and like eat it all <laughs> starting with your dick. Yeah. Um, that just isn't coming across. Like we get it in the little, like, you know, it's a very comics thing where you put the little brackets or the, yeah. What do you call those? I only know those them are... as like the greater than less than signs, but it's always within those as brackets. Yeah. Uh, things that are the carrots translated for uh, carrots. That yeah. That are carrots. translated for our benefit. But not uh, for the characters. Right. And it's all just like we're gonna we're gonna turn your dick in on itself. So become a black hole. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna put your dick in your butt. <laughs> and fucking <laughs> Hitler's gonna march on it and like uh, take it to the shire. <laughs> um, well, yes, and I I I think I thought it was interesting that we meet this group because like the way that we end before this issue of the comic like we're basically about to end world war ii which was about like you know uh a person who was essentially trying to murder as many groups of people as he could and and gain as much territory which we find out is essentially what this group of individuals was all about like the sill was all about like murdering and and like imperializing and all that stuff bunch of space hitlers and so, I mean, kind of, yeah. yeah. And the idea so that we turn right. around and then commit genocide on them is a really interesting irony that they use to kind of lead us into the next volume. Um, because, like, when when it happens, we get this little bit with another alien of a different species who managed to survive. And he's like, huh, not a great way to start your foray into the stars. See you guys later. You done fucked up. Bye. <laughs> like pieces. This just disappears. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, and it's, 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 isn't it our way though to go to a new area and be like, this is, this is ours now. We're going to kill everyone there. And, uh, we, uh, you know, in the name of science and progress. Right. And of course, it's largely in the name of tribalism and viciousness. But it is. It's very human. It's particularly American. I think we we do it real well. We do it better than just about anybody else. But it's still it's very it. human. I mean, and we as Americans learned it from our dads. We learned it from our dads. Britain. Britain was all like, we're gonna we're gonna take over all the places. Humans are animals. We're gonna do all. Like you ever go to the British Museum? You're gonna be like, oh man, they were fucking monsters. The British Museum. Um. Yeah, dude. It's like, look at all the cultures we conquered. Look at all the stuff we stole from, from different civilizations. Yeah, look at this pot. Do you like this pot? The owner of this pot is dead. <laughs> and we killed them. That's yeah. how we got this pot you like. Mm-hmm. It's real nice. Hey, guys. But, like, they're so civilized or, or they're so, like, sophisticated feeling that you, you're like, I can't be mad at you, Britain. You, you got a cute accent. You guys, you guys got such a, 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 a cute uh dry wit about you and they're like we'll kill all your family we like land and gold you're doing the dr evil pinky (laughs) i am yes why are you doing the dr evil pinky because that's how british people talk they all do the pinky they all do the pinky wow because it's it's it always stays out um especially when they're drinking Drinking tea tea, that's right yeah and so the next uh course is to put it to their lips and taste that sweet, sweet pinky air. It's a, like yum. It's a signal to other British people. Yeah, so you know, like if you don't know the pinky thing, you're an imposter. Right. Like you're not a real Brit. Yeah, it's like that scene in um, in Inglorious Bastards where um, Michael Fassbender uses the wrong finger to indicate five or six or three or something, and everyone's like, "You're not really Jarman," and they kill it. Spoilers for Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, I apologize. I just needed to illustrate my point. It's, it's um, a good movie. It, it's, that, yeah, that's it's now good. ruined for you. Yep. That scene was the crux. And, uh, you know, now don't, you're... Don't at me. <laughs> at, at him. Yeah. At me, bro. If you ain't seen it by now, like, Statues of Limitations is over, yo. You, you had your chance. Now you know. If you're like, oh, I'm going to go watch this and Michael Fassbender is going to blow my dick off, you're wrong. If anything, he gets his dick blown off. No More spoilers. There is a Nazi in that scene who gets his dick blown off. Yeah. Michael Fassbender doesn't get his dick blown off. I mean, he might. We don't <laughs> we don't see it, but like he yeah, might. Yeah. Off screen. But there's definitely, uh, Hugo Stiglitz definitely blows off a Nazi's balls. Mm. Yeah. Th- that part where he's like, say goodbye to your Nazi balls. <laughs> 
That's how that's how you know. Well, yeah. Well, that and you see it. Right. Well, of course you see. It. It's a it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. You you always going to see it. When when a dick gets shot off, you best believe it's it's getting shot off in in you know, cinemascope <laughs> in close up. Mhm. Yeah. And you get all the blood and the bits. It's like why do we even have to do you're shooting so close on the dick like the the beautiful vistas that cinemascope lends itself to are not present. He's just like, yeah, but look, it's so big. Yeah. So look at that dick. <laughs> look at it. There was a dick there. There used to be your dick there, and it's uh-huh. gone. It's yep. just gone. <laughs> I I feel like this is a good chance to talk about um, alternative history and 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 um, you know that's how that's how we find our way back, right? And glorious bastards also alternative history. Yeah, there we go. And has a little bit of Hitler in it. Not a ton. Not too much Hitler. No, yeah, yeah, not too much. Just a little, like little taste. Mm-hmm. He's not kicking any any hobbits or anything. Right. He's not. Unfortunately, not marching on the shot. Can you imagine though, if Hitler like had if like the the what do they call them the wraiths like had the little armbands and like were were like leading some stormtroopers into the Shire uh-huh. and Hitler's there for whatever reason, but he's wearing like a big cape and a little crown. He's just like, God, the Hobbit's nine, and just kicking him out of the way and shit. <laughs> and all the Hobbits are like, stop that. And he's like, nine, he keeps kicking him and shit. Yeah. And they're like, where, where are our friends? Where's Aragorn? And Aragorn's like, I'm not, it's just, I don't, <laughs> I'll be over here, guys. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I choose not to participate. Like, you, right. Like, I, I just, we just did a war. We just did a war about some jewelry. You know what I mean? Like I, you just, I just led an army of ghosts to help you win the jewelry war. I'm tired. You got your one. If you wanted <laughs> me to fight in this one, you should have saved me for that one. My hero's journey's over. I went home. Oh man, Aragorn's Aragorn sounds like America. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, like, the hobbits have to allow Aragorn's territory to be bombed just so Aragorn <laughs> will come to war again. Oh, <laughs> and the whole the whole time though the whole story Aragorn is like uh, he's like the rock in the rundown where he's just like I can't I can't pick, I can't pick up my sword I can't this is when I pick up swords bad things happen and the hobbits are like bro we know that's why we need you to pick the sword up he's like no I can't I can't do it I'll do anything else you want man I'll do the fists I'll kick some people I'll kick them super hard I'll push them I'll push them down I'll push them down and I'll call them names but I'm not picking up swords bro I'm not doing it and then at the end of course the reason he's not picking up the swords is because he's so good at swords mm-hmm. that he kills literally everything yeah but he doesn't stop killing he's the bloodlust in Aragorn is awake yeah even and his teammates yeah. he's just like Ugh. and they're like it's on your side he's like, and he's swinging uh, the sword at Nazi wraiths but also in his other hand like he's drinking blood out of Legolas's head <laughs> oh jeez that got so dark and he's like you all asked for this and the hobbits are like no we did not that is incorrect <laughs> And Hitler, like, peaced out a while ago. (laughs) At a certain point, he went, fuck this. (laughs) (laughs) The king has returned. Like Sam writes, because Frodo went off at the uh, uh, on the boat at the end of those movies. So I don't know where the fuck he is. So like Sam eventually has to send him word, and like he's sitting there with Gandalf reading the letters over some tea, being like, "The fuck." <laughs> <laughs> so shit, I got out at exactly the right time. Shit. <laughs> but the, but it's like one of those movies where like as they're reading this, they're like, "Aragorn did what?" And then like it it like pans up. And Aragorn is right behind them. And he like slashes the camera and it's like credits. <laughs> and then we get like seven movies that are basically Friday the 13th. But it's Aragorn, <laughs> like Aragorn takes Manhattan and shit. Yeah. But it's mostly it's just like an hour and 20 minutes of him on a boat. And then he gets to Manhattan <laughs> and he just sort of wanders around. He's trying to get a taxi and no taxi will stop. Right. He realizes he left his sword on the boat. So he's sort of <laughs> fucked. Gets arrested, spends two more movies cuffed and in jail. <laughs> and he's just like, ah, do you know who I am? I, I killed all the Nazis in the Shire. And they're like, sure, buddy. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, alternative history. 
I, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I really wanted to kind of introduce this to people because I, one, I thought the world building was so amazing and that like, it takes the, the foundation of the history that we know. Yes. Um, and then like it, it, the ending of the like first volume slash the fifth issue essentially opens the gate um, for lack of a better word, wordplay. <laughs> um, but it opens the gate to so much more because like um, it, it starts at a very grounded place um, when you're just just in a room with Oppenheimer and Grover or Groves. Um, and then it like ends up becoming this giant galactic thing where you could literally do anything. Right. Because they've introduced the idea of Aliens, they've introduced the idea of multiple universes. They've introduced so many different ideas over the course of these vol- these like issues right. that like essentially you you end at the beginning of a much greater story. Right. Um, and I just I really love that aspect of it, and I I feel like um, this is something like if I were to do a book club, I would totally like just go week to week talking about the different volumes of this. Like there are, I think at this point, five or six. I want to say there's volumes. six trades. Now. Yeah. Um, uh, how, how much of it have you read? Um, I've read the first two volumes. Okay. Cause this is definitely something I want to continue to read. Like I really, really dug it. Um, and it's not also not just the story. I feel like we also, uh, we need to make it a point to shout out the art by uh, Nick Pitata. Yeah. Pita- I don't know if it's Pitara, Pitata. It's two, it's two R's. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm supposed to like Pitara. Yeah. Uh, just do both. Yeah. Nick Pitara. That's how it is. Anyway, this is a pretty looking book. And this is a this is a style of art that I like a lot. There are a couple of other uh, artists that draw in a similar style whose names all escape me right now. (laughs) Um, But it's it's a it's a style that I really, really like. It's a it's a kind of cartoony. uh, It's got a weird kind of like a lumpy look to it a little bit. But like everybody's very cartoony and I like it. Mm-hmm. And it lends itself right to like it's a it exists in a perfect space where all of the horrors are depicted visually like just just far enough off the mark uh, of total realism. Yeah, that it it you can read it and have fun instead of just staring slack jawed at the endless sea of horrors being depicted. Yeah, and it's there's something really visceral about it. So like, and especially the way that they use color. So when they're doing the Oppenheimer story. They have uh, Robert Oppenheimer's story in blue. And then they have um, they have Joseph Oppenheimer's story in red. And then when they come together, like all of Robert's blood is blue. And so you see his blood all over uh, Joseph's face in, 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 in all, in all of the blue varieties. And, and, and it, and when they come together, you still see the like, the red after visions, which is really cool. Um, so like, I really dig his like use of, of the different color palettes, even though like, I feel like when you're doing regular, like mundane things in this story, like he, he keeps it fairly like muted when it's grounded. And then when it goes bonkers, he like uses so many different colors and, and, and variations of, of that. Like when you get the aliens melting scene, um, it's so like, like tactile and, and visceral and it's very colorful, which I really enjoy. Yes. And, and again, it keeps the look of it really fun and really consistently vibrant. Yeah. Which contrasts with just how unspeakably horrible much of what they're doing is. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, they're killing bad guys. So justify. Yeah, aren't, aren't they always? Totally just. they always killing bad guys? Yeah. That's how you got to do it. You know, and they're aliens, so like, you know, if they're not us, then they're dust. Hashtag, if they're not us, then they are dust. Oh, yeah. Don't at me. At him. <laughs> at him. <laughs> what? That's, that's, the, that's the phrase. That's, the, that's, that's it. That's the, that's the catchphrase. Do you remember when Toby Keith did that song? And I don't remember what song it was, but it had a line in it that that was something to the effect of, we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. And people were so offended. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what America stands for. We're not about 
putting boots in asses. We're about putting boots in the ground. Faces of children. Faces. No, that's not it. In the <laughs> on the feet of children. That's it. That's yeah. the ticket. We're in the. We're not in. How dare you? Yes, I remember. That's it. Okay. <laughs> there was well, nothing sorry. further to that. You you mistook what I was. I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about humanity. If humanity had a slogan, it would be, if you're not us, then you are dust. <laughs> People will put a boot in your ass. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, or it's Earth. If you got what an Earth ass, is. we're going to kick it. <laughs> says, Ooh, uh, yeah. Good day, sir or madam. This is a very fine ass you have. I see it is unoccupied by a boot. <laughs> I happen to have a boot. Yeah. I see that you have a, an ass without a boot. I can help you with that. Clippy, get out of here. <laughs> what are you doing here? Just just trying to help, sir. No, Clippy, no. You don't even have feet. <laughs> He's just always willing to help. That's his thing. He walks around with like one boot, like uh, he's in one boot, and he's got the other boot sitting on his head. <laughs> yeah, um, and he he never he uses only uses boots that have clips on them instead of shoelaces. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like him taking a union position. Uh huh. Yep. He's 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 <laughs> he does one thing, and he does one thing well: clip. Uh, okay. I'm going to start, I'm going to start wrapping us out. Um, what did you, do you have any last thoughts on this book? I did. I dug it. Um, hopefully that was clear. Like I dug it a lot. I think it's a great story within itself so far. Again, only five issues in, but so far I think it's a great story in itself. And also I, I am really fascinated by this period in history and sort of the, the technological breakthroughs therein. Yeah. And also, and this is something we, we maybe alluded to, but I'm fascinated by the intersection of science and what you could call sort of uh, uh, magic or like mysticism. Yeah. And not in the way like a lot of stories, a lot of very beloved stories will tell stories about magic and will try and explain magic through a scientific prism. I more like the idea that we science was our magic in a way that we didn't notice in a way like we were talking about earlier we could have used it for good but instead due to our, our destructive inclinations as part of our nature we we totally went the other way but like that the idea that like um okay so uh oh, actually twin peaks does does this uh in there in the third season there's an episode and i can't really spoil it because it's all in the execution but we jump back and we see the trinity test and we realize that at that moment when mankind split the atom and we set off that bomb it did create that that tear in reality it was powerful enough and and in a way uh, uh magical or, or mystical enough that we were able to sort of blow open a hole in reality and through that hole came a lot of the sort of abstractions of of evil or negativity that sort of populate that world yeah. like the darker more spectral side of that world so maybe that kind of gets at what i'm talking about like i love the idea that this this could have been our connection to like uh if not god in in the abstract or god as a specific figure god, like godhood godlike ability godlike perception godlike understanding of uh, reality and you know through science through physics through through math through yeah. through technology but yeah like that we that could have been it like that could have been our our like magical step up that ladder and instead we used it to blow shit up so anyway yeah i'm i'm fascinated with that idea so i i'm i'm really digging where this story starts and i'm really curious to see where it goes i'm definitely going to keep up honestly i see myself blowing through all six volumes and they're on comiXology they're what it was like eight bucks maybe for the first volume yeah and I'm, they're all the same price right so like right. real affordable it's it it's real good it's real and it's bonkers and you know how much i love shit that just like just goes for it super mm -hmm. super hard and this story's going for it super super hard real early and not oh, yeah. for nothing hickman's a brilliant writer so i i trust that wherever it goes it's definitely going to be worth taking the journey yeah and uh, I, you talk about like this, this concept of like godhood, and it made me think about how like never before that moment did we have the ability to kill so many people at one time. Like it took 
uh, a giant volcano uh, to destroy Pompeii. And now we could do that with a snap of a finger, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I too, like, I'm going to continue reading on with this. Like, I, I, um, I, I've been through the first two volumes. Uh, I've, I'd pro- I'll probably be, do- be done with the three through six by the end of this week. Um, just cause it's so good and it, it goes by so fast. It goes by real fast. Yeah. And like, like the first, the first volume cover to cover is what? 144 pages. Yeah. And you could breeze through that in uh, probably under two hours. Oh yeah. That's, that's how I did it is I just like sat on my couch, uh, sat there for like an hour and a half. And then just like, I did a, another cursory, like flip through just cause I wanted to make sure I had notes and stuff, but right. like, bro, it was, it was super like, cause I've read some longer content that is kind of a slog but this stuff it just it goes and it goes hard and it goes real fast um and i do the uh i do the comicsology unlimited subscription Mm -hmm. so like you can basically just borrow all of them on there um and you can just download them on your ipad which is what i did um so guys do that it's super accessible um this isn't an ad for comicsology but it's literally 5.99 a month for like a uh, unlimited subscription you get which is a way better value it. yes which is a way better value than paying individually for every single thing right yes um so do that uh, i highly recommend it i don't really want to know what you guys think about it so why don't you guys hit us up on twitter at missing outcast that's m-i-s-s-i-n-g-o-u-t-c-a-s-t uh and let us know what you thought about uh manhattan projects because it's so good is so good. We didn't even really spoil anything. We just let you know things that happened. Um, and we also can't spoil anything because we haven't finished the whole thing yet. So finish it with us and let us know your thoughts, bro. Uh, Lex, where can they let you know what their thoughts are? Uh, you can let me know where your what your thoughts do, what they're like, uh-huh. how they how they be at the Lex Michael. Nice on uh, what Twitter and Instagram. Hell yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Yo. And you can find me at Tari J. That's T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Uh, and if you were like, oh man, I don't use social media or I like using my voice, then you can also hit us up on the Missing Out hotline. That is 978-MISS-OUT. Uh, just leave a, leave us a voicemail uh, and let us know your name or what you go by. If you're like, I prefer my moniker dark sentencer um then let us know what you go by what some people like monikers dark sentencer yeah i mean technically that is the name of a coheed and cambria song but that was the first thing that came to mind you know not dark, important you know dark sentencer was very active on live journal back in the day oh yeah that was mine yeah. <laughs> it's a double entendre because i feel dark and i'm making sentences you get it um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, leave us your name or what you go by, um, and what you're into. Tell us what you thought about, uh, Manhattan Project. If you get around to reading it, we will make sure to put a link in the description, uh, to the, to both, uh, where you can get a physical copy or where you can get it on Comixology, just so you can keep up with what we're doing. Um, and also just... Let us know what you're into, guys. We 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 like we love hearing back from you. Yes, um, is is nice. <laughs> it's good. Do like. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to a close this fine session. Uh, thank you for joining what? us. <laughs> what is happening now? I'm becoming British. Why? Ah. Uh, have you been to the British Museum? He's up. It's oh, so. Boy. Fine. Oh, the British All Museum. Right. Let's wrap this up. Ooh. This, this is... That's where I'll be going once this is done. So, thank you for joining us here on Missing Out. Ah, oh, yes. I will see you next week. <laughs> Don't be upset. Go to the British Museum. <laughs> Turn this off. <laughs> This is a lot. This is a very chaotic podcast today. I don't think so. I think it's. I think it's great. I, I feel like time is both uh, expanding and contracting simultaneously, which means it's doing nothing. I mean, it's breaking <laughs> yeah, even. It's the same as it always is. Time is standing still. Still, <laughs> I have a very hard time with eyes and e's. 
Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wikiship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is pure editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruth Ann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.